Hello, and thank you for joining us for another episode of That Solo Life, the podcast for PR pros and marketers who work for themselves. I am Michelle Kane. My company is Voice Matters, and I'm here as ever with my wonderful co-host. She is Karen Swim of Solo PR Pro. Hi, Karen. How are you today? Hi, Michelle. I am admittedly really tired, but psyched to be here. (laughs) Yes. I think we record on Wednesdays, which works really well, but I do find that's like the midweek. Oh, (laughs) yeah. Well, true confessions. I felt midweek all week. So (laughs) there you have it. I know, I know in our world, our minds never quite turn off sometimes. And sometimes yeah. I'll, I'll sit down at, you know, at my computer in the morning and just go, did I ever stop thinking about this stuff? Well, it's a whole no. other problem for another day. Yeah. No. Even in, subconsciously, you're like, yeah, yeah, my yeah. Brain is super tired these days. I'm just tired. I want to turn yeah. it off. I wish there was like a, yes. a little off switch, like no thoughts, none, just right. blank screen for a little right. bit. I guess that's that gets in the scene of meditation. Maybe we need to have someone on to help us do that thought clearing. Yeah, I took a little time out with my dog Finnegan yesterday since he was being quite demanding after his grooming appointment. I thought, all right, I'm going to sit here on the couch with you for a little bit. And even then I was like, what, what should we name that client podcast? How about that? <laughs> or that? Or maybe that? What? Yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, our focus today, we do have a focus, actually, listeners. Um, we are taking a look at the, I believe it's annual, it's it's a job of the week, um, annual survey of, and uh, Karen happened to be one of the panelists involved with this. And uh, can you tell us a little bit of the background of this survey? Because it has, has some interesting data in it. Yeah. Well, you know, all credit to Frank Strong of Sword in the Script Media, who does this annual survey and fantastic, you know, practitioner. And so this comes out around the summer each year and a group, he invited a group of communicators to participate, not in collecting the data, but just in Mm -hmm. looking at the data and providing some feedback and then early on prior to, you know, it being filled it, we had the opportunity to have some input on the questions and provide some, some insight there. So that was pretty fun. I always like being involved in industry surveys, because I do think that even if it um, is not specifically to independent practitioners, there's always so much to learn mm-hmm. from what other people are doing. So I love looking at those insights and trends and pulling mm-hmm from that to see, you know, to inform our own practices. So it was a really nice process. Frank is a really good guy. And um, we may have him on the program at some point in the future as well, because we're only going to talk to other folks in our industry. Yeah, that would be great. That would be great. Yeah, one of the the interesting takeaways um, that I got from it was, you know, looking at what were your top challenges of this past year. And, yeah. you know, the pandemic, of course, had its way with a lot of these um, responses. But I, I noticed, especially, you know, from 2019, it was, you know, ROI, what's our ROI? And, and now it's, oh, my goodness, we have too many priorities, which is... Yeah good for us as PR consultants, because that could mean opportunity. 
Yeah, one, that was one of the things that really caught my interest about the survey as well. And and I can say from working with enterprises um, on different initiatives that I see this happening. And so if we think about the past year, we had COVID, which really became almost like its own sub-department. It was yeah. so consuming in our yeah. world. So, you know, as communicators, we were not only tasked with helping to navigate clients through the crisis part of COVID, but then navigating how to respond and, you know, Mm -hmm. delivering um, COVID messaging and making sure that they're doing that. And then it moved into a new realm of, you know, when you're dealing with companies, there's all of the internal communications around COVID as well and the return to work and, you know, how how the company is going to be structured and and then also, you know, your messaging as it impacts your external audiences. So this, you know, that in and of itself is an initiative that really requires a lot of time. And so when you're talking to in-house communicators and they're dealing with this very real world situation, that's a huge initiative that does require resources. Now you layer on top of that, Um, Some of the other things that are happening, such as this whole shift in the workplace during this time with much of it sticking and companies figuring out how to even, you know, approach work because that's all change. And then you, you know, you, you have the diversity, equity and inclusion issues, which should not be confined just to the, the chief diversity officer or the DEI office. It's something that really needs to be company-wide to drive change. These are huge. Mm-hmm. And, and oh, by the way, you know, your C-suite leaders have the pressure on you to, you know, uh, to drive, you know, market share, to drive revenue, to make sure that you're hitting those bottom line numbers. And for many industries, that in and of itself is is like an extra job and a half because there's some recovery happening because of COVID. And there's right. also some changing behaviors and things that we're all having to deal with. So when you just think about the world itself and what in-house teams are dealing with, it's a lot of priorities at one time. But as you mentioned, for us independent <laughs> practitioners, the good news is, is that we can offer support that is very much needed in this time period. We can be strategic partners. We can be an adjunct to those in-house teams so that they can focus on the core priorities in-house, but still have a team that's helping them to hit those PR objectives. And, And so I think it's really important not just during this time, I've always felt this way, that it's always important for us to understand the business of our customers, Mm -hmm. to really understand those internal, um, you know, mechanisms and what their priorities are and what they're being faced with so that we're able to come alongside them and provide real solutions to the problems that they're having today. So seeing that in writing and, and hearing from the practitioners themselves who answered the survey, was really affirming to me about our role and our place and the exciting opportunities that are ahead for us. There should be more than enough business for everyone. (laughs) Yeah. And it it also speaks to our shared experience. You know, it was real. It happened. I know, you know, Sharknado came to mind when you were saying, you know, all the things going on. It was just, we're standing in the swirl of activity. And, you know, it was moment by moment where, you know, 
thankfully, we really had an opportunity to shine as our value as communicators. And the value of communication and getting it right, because, you know, speaking to two of the higher challenges that they were facing, cutting through clutter and having to deal with some leaders who don't understand communications or, you know, this was an opportunity to say, you know, it's important that we say things clearly and that we get through with clarity on what the message is, you know, because we know what it was like, you know, everything was going on. We didn't know what was up. And, you know, at the same time, we're all business owners, they're business owners, everyone's applying. Do I apply for PPP? Do I go for SBA? What do I do? ABC? Oh, I still have to run my actual business, but maybe in much more creative ways. Oh, and we're trying to stay safe. So, you know, I remember whenever I was on the receiving end of a clear communication from an organization trying to still communicate with me, whether it be, you know, for help or for buying the product. It yeah. was like, you know, it, it was like a, um, a life preserver coming my way of, okay, I know I can hold on to that piece of information. And that is correct. And, you know, I, I think all of us as practitioners should reflect on that. And, you know, really just kind of be proud of, of our profession, which, you know, we, we talk about this so often, it could be like, oh, I've got a, my high school kid can write that sentence. But really, it's more about the strategy and, and letting our clients know, our prospects know that we don't just think about, you know, the few lines we're, we're pushing on your behalf. We're thinking yeah. about you and the health of your company. And that, that's, we want you to succeed. So yeah, well, that was interesting. It's funny when you said that, you know, I, I've had my own set of frustrations this week. Um, But (laughs) one of the things that, you know, I'm always, because we talk about this as, you know, independent, you know, business people running our own PR shops is that sometimes you can feel that there is, you know, you go to a conference and if it's geared to in-house people, you feel like there's a disconnect and there's nothing there for you. But the one thing that connects us all, whether you are, employed or work for an agency or work for yourself is the job itself and the work that we're called to do. And um, it is always, it always feels good to know that you're not alone. The issues that we all face are the issues that we all face. And our profession is, is so often maligned when things go wrong, unfairly. (laughs) Um, unsung when things go exactly as they're supposed to. And we always seem to fight this uphill battle with some of the things that you just discussed, Um, you know, removing the clutter, trying to, to tell the right story. And as communicators, we know what to say and what to do and how to communicate. But, but so often you're fighting that internal battle. You know, I, I said this this week that, um, it's, it's, it can be, I think one of the most difficult things in our jobs, not the most, but one of the challenges that we face is really helping companies to understand the need to be plain spoken and to mm-hmm. really tell a story. If you say the fractionalization of the multiplication of the, no one's going to remember that. You know, you may sound like an insider to those who are inside the enterprise to other C-suite executives, 
But it's not the kind of thing that even you as an executive would pull for a quote that guides, leads, and inspires to put on social media. And and not that social media is the measuring stick, but I do think that some of the usefulness of social is that it it can show you like what people grab onto, what holds their attention. And even if we think about ourselves, even though we're often not our own audience, what are the kind of things that you remember? Do you remember things that are just, you know, one long sentence of corporate jargon Or do you remember when they made it human and personal and real and spoke to you and something just stood out when they shared a story, you know, you can remember the story. And and if we could just get enterprises to do that. And again, as communicators, we know, but our battle is so often with with, um, the C-suite being so disconnected from that. And and I think understanding it on one level, but not able to make that leap and not allowing us to make that leap for them. And, and that, you know, that happens to all of us. And I think that we can hold hands and have our moment like, Oh my God. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. You know, it's funny when you talk about clarity and and lack of jargon and insider, um, you know, speak, it it just, the people that popped into my mind were, you know, some of my favorite uh, Pennsylvania conference for women speakers, people that were, you know, business focused that I never heard of before and who could have gone that route, but they didn't. And, you know, they were able to reach an entire room of, you know, variety of backgrounds and, and professions. And so, yeah, I, you know, it's like, don't be afraid. It's, it's not necessarily dumbing it down. It's just make it, Make it make sense, as the kids say today. Well, <laughs> and you want people, I, and I think that, you know, this this is missing, is that you want people to feel. Yes. And we, we yeah. lose touch with that. We think so much about the words, but... Yeah. What do you want them to feel? Because right. every brand, you know, that's that's oh. the essence of branding. Yep. You want them to feel something. You want to evoke yeah. something when they see your right. logo, when they see your yeah. name. What feeling does that evoke? Now that feeling can be confidence, it can be trust, but then you need to communicate that. And you communicate that by connecting with human beings. Mm-hmm. And that just falls by the wayside. So, you know, that survey just, you know, once again, highlighted that this continues to be a struggle for all of us, regardless of, you know, how we work or, you know, again, whether it's in-house agency or on our own, that we're all in this together and it's continuing to be a fight. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of a continued fight, (laughs) a couple of the other areas, which I'm going to put together because they, they kind of, um, live on this, a similar seesaw, uh, media relations, and, you know, whether it makes sense to do some paid placements over earned. Um, as we know, media relations is becoming more and more difficult, um, which speaks to the notion of, well, maybe we shouldn't rely solely on media relations as much anymore. But within that realm, there is opportunity. And, and I know it. Um, some of the panelists, you know, spoke to is a message doesn't seem credible if you see that it's a paid placement. I, I think it depends. Depends on the message. Depends on the intention. I, I know for some of my clients it, in the professional services realm, it makes sense in a way because, you know, it's a guaranteed to be it's guaranteed to be picked up because it's paid placement, and it's a great way, like you said, to tell a story, 
to um, establish your thought leadership here. We know what, what we're doing and here's how we're being helpful. Um, but that doesn't mean that it works that way every time. Sometimes you've seen pl- paid placements where you just go, ew. <laughs> you know, here's the thing, and I, I'm going to speak to all communicators. People tend to, you know, if you say that something has a price tag associated, then you want to run the other way because somehow you feel that it's less than. But you know, as our good friend Jeannie Dietrich often reminds us about the peso formula, I am a huge believer and advocate in it. And the way that I explain that to clients is that it's all the spokes of the wheel. And could you leverage one or two spokes? Yeah. But when you leverage them all together, you have a complete wheel that rolls along a little more smoothly because you're leveraging all of those pieces together. You're using all of the components. I personally, yes, I'm a PR person. Yes, I do earn media. And I actually am one of those silly people that love it. However, I do not love engagements that rely heavily on that one spoke of the wheel. I think it's a huge mistake and a missed opportunity. So when we think about paid, that can take a number of formats. It could be mean that you are paying to be part of programs such as, um, you know, media programs. And I don't want to name companies, but media companies that allow you to be a contributor and you're paying a fee to be a part of that. That could totally make sense if that particular publication is hitting your audience right. and it's going to, to serve your needs, it could be an advertisement. Are we doing away with advertising because it's paid? Absolutely not. Advertising should absolutely be a part of your full arsenal of things that you could do. That could be paid search ads. It could be paid social media ads. It could be working with influencers that they require a fee. Um, Of course, you want to do your vetting. You want to make sure that you're working with people that are credible. You want to make sure that that program is going to be run properly and that you have the experience or have a team of people that understand how to do that. So, you know, paywalls. Many stories these days are behind paid walls. I think of WSJ Pro and Political Pro. Those are wonderful publications that do incredible reporting. So, We have to get out of this mindset that everything has to be free or somehow it's not really PR and that we can't stand behind those results. And I think as PR people that we have to start to be more creative as well and think about how clients can leverage owned media because that's very underutilized. They have an opportunity to tell their story, to construct the narrative, to yeah. bring in their voices. And so often we just sort of ignore that or we give it a cursory glance as we say, oh, by the way, throw this over on your social channels. And I think that we have to start to be more well-rounded in how we present opportunities and not focus just on earn because, you know, quite frankly, we're partly responsible for people believing that that's all we do is yeah. earn media. Right. And, right. You know, I feel like, and I felt like this for years, that when all you have to offer is earn media, it is a spin cycle that will burn you out quickly. Mm. And you're only as good as your last placement. You can get a Wall Street Journal story today, and I promise you that that's not going to last you longer than that day. So the client will be happy for a day or two or three. And next Mm -hmm. week, they're like, so what's next? Right, right. 
Yeah. I 100% agree. 100% agree. And, you know, I, I love um, using owned media. I, it, it just makes sense. You know, I mean, I think when social media, you know, came to the fore, I, the phrase that was being tossed around, and I still stand by it, you know, you're now a media company. Every company, every one of us is now yeah. creating, you know, you're creating content and it's funny and it's again it's a subject it's it's one of the byproducts of me sitting at my desk by myself talking to myself it's like uh is this content marketing working well yeah of course it is yeah you know your your clients have it's it's educating people you know it's it's all about breaking down that no like and trust barrier all right get to know me I, you know, we had so much fun actually this spring. This is really not heavy duty owned media, but just think of things. If it's appropriate for your organization that that have public facing people, we did a whole fun thing on a spring training theme. And, you know, each employee's headshot was turned into a custom baseball card. And we just asked them, you know, a few silly questions, you know, favorite ballpark food, favorite player. But, you know, and that's, yeah, it's great content now, people you know, have a feel for the place. And, oh, this place, though, they, they don't mind having fun. Oh, okay, I get it. But, you know, then that goes for everywhere from there into a deep dive on, I know the pandemic was a great opportunity for owned media. You know, help us get through this and so on so many fronts. And, and it's still not too late. If, you know, if companies out there are listening, you know, it's not too late to start saying, all right, have you... Have you applied for forgiveness yet for your loan? Have you done this? Have you done that? How can you, you know, shore yourself up so that the next time something like this hits, blah, 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 blah. The, the ideas are endless. The so. ideas are endless. And and working within your your areas of expertise. And I so I think that, you know, I always go back to something that many of us tout is that be strategic. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, Chip said it well, is that we're not selling tactics, we're selling results. And I think, you know, when we talk about having a seat at the C-suite at the table, that means that we have to really take that role of trusted advisor of of counsel very seriously. Mm -hmm. And that means thinking strategically, thinking big picture and offering more than just the tactics. I mean, I, I, I do feel that in the day to day, sometimes people get so weighted down and we're so like mired in just doing the work that we don't lift our heads and, and really rise above it all and say, Hmm, you know what? Here's another way. Let's think about this. Let's see how this aligns with the organizational goals. You're trying to do this over here. Why don't we bring those things together and let's, formulate a strategy that leverages all the things that we're doing. And, and I know that we're all smart enough to do that. It's just a matter of holding yourself accountable to, you know, standing firm and really guiding clients. And, And I promise you that when you start to do that, you do get richer, deeper engagements and you get yourself further embedded in company. You become more valuable because they're not really even though they may think that they're hiring you to get the media, they're really not. They're hiring you to move the needle forward in their company to be a part of that. And so you have to remember all of those other tools that you have to accomplish that. Right. Right. No, no, it's fine. I was going to say that also is a good segue into one of the other key items of note in this survey was measurements. Ah! (laughs) <laughs> yeah. 
we could talk for a million years on this. Right? <laughs> uh oh! Don't 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 hit don't hit the pause button, everyone. It's okay. It's not going to be scary. <laughs> you know, because well, I mean, we we always say that you should determine your measurable goals at the beginning, even if that's growing your Facebook page by 10 likes in a month. It can be, it can be as simple as that. And these things can be measured. You know, I, as someone who's on occasion suggested for certain clients that have never done direct mail to do direct mail, you know, especially in retail situations, you know, like personal services, they'll say, Oh, I only got two people. That's wonderful. You don't want to get 20 new customers in a month because you can't handle that. So it it doesn't have to be some, you don't have to become a full-blown data scientist, which look, I deter myself sometimes thinking, oh, I just don't understand it enough or deep enough and I'm not a supreme expert in all things measurement. So, oh, am I going to be good enough at it? I I struggle with that from a lot. (laughs) Well, And and so let me share a couple of stats from this, this survey. So, uh, the survey showed that 60% measure their communications efforts often or always. So that leaves a whole 40% that are only doing it sometimes, rarely, or never, but which is, you know, troubling. And, you know, if you dig a little bit deeper, you know, mm-hmm. when people said, you know, if, if you could just have one of the following to help your organization improve its efforts to measure communications, what would you choose? And some of the comments were really interesting, you know, connecting business goals with communications efforts. It's still too much of a just do stuff and hope it works mentality. Um, Having clearly defined goals and audiences, um, more cross-functional alignment and shared understanding of execution. And the reason I call out those comments is because, I personally cringe when when people say, oh, my client wants metrics and people don't think that it can be measured. Don't be afraid of the terminology of metrics. Don't be right. afraid of data. As Michelle said, you don't have to become a data scientist to be able to measure your result. The key, as Michelle mentioned, is to talk about what are the outcomes, you know? And so in very simple terms, what I, what we start doing from when we first start talking with clients, one of the first things that we ask in in that initial conversation is what would success look like for you? Describe that to us. That takes them away from, you know, getting into KPIs that they think that they should be sharing with us to telling us, what a successful program looks like for them. And then, then we take that and break that down. Okay, so you you told us that success for you looks like driving more people to this particular program or, you know, driving people to your website so that you can do X or, you know, having something that supports your sales team. Once you know what success looks like, then you can talk about how PR can help them to achieve those goals. Now you can talk about, okay, so here is what we'll do. And here is the way that we will measure that progress. You don't want to have 15 different metrics. You just want to have a a few. I would say even two to three key metrics is really all that you need. Yes. Because you don't want to overwhelm with data that's not necessary. Right. But don't shy away from it. Just understand how to talk about it. And when you look at some of the things that internal people are saying, then 
this should inform how you start to talk to clients in your business development and how you start to onboard them and the things that you start to report. So often all we report are media placements. That's it. Just a big list of media placements. Well, is that what they really care about? Because at the end of the day, yeah, that's great. But how did you drive business? How is what you're doing connecting to the rest of the organization? That was something that somebody said, like they want that. You can give them that if you know how to talk about these things. Um, You know, we we've had presentations from Lisa Gerber and Jill Van Nostrand on Google Analytics. Google Analytics can be your best friend in PR if you simply ask for access to the data. Then you can line things up. Um, There's tools like Ask the Audience that once you have access to analytics, you can load that in to ask the audience to, to understand how your earned media is driving results to your client website. So you know, don't be afraid of this. And and I think that we should be the ones that are proactive in telling clients that not only do we get results, but that we measure them. That's what people want to hear. And so, you know, if you're uncomfortable with this, learn. It's time to learn now. No more excuses. Get your act together and learn how to speak the language and do it. Yes, you can measure PR results. Yes, you can connect it to the business goals. Yes, you absolutely can. If you're a solo PR pro member and you're like, I'm so afraid of this. I have no idea. Ask in the group. Start to get knowledge about it. Read some of the presentations. Go read everything that Katie Payne has ever written. She is the measurement queen. She knows so much about this topic. There are so many voices in the industry. Go and get familiar with the, you know, the standard of measurement, there's just enough resources and tools out there that can help you to be able to have these conversations. Yep, absolutely. And we are so glad that you joined us today for this conversation. We are going to include a link to this survey in our show notes. And we know your time is precious. So we do thank you for spending it with us. And until next time, thanks for joining us on That Solo Life. Mm -hmm.